Welcome to the Empathetic Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Renata from Sherpany. Renata, it's really nice to have you on. Thank you very much for having me, and hi, Brad. Nice to be here. Absolutely. I'm really excited. Tell me a bit about yourself, about your company, space you guys are in, what you're doing. Okay. I'm Renate. I'm in the B2B IT marketing area for a long time already, 25 years almost now. And the company I'm currently working for is Sherpany. We are a B2B SaaS company, and we are tackling the problem of meeting productivity, not enabling digital meetings like Zoom, for instance, but we want to make digital meetings more productive. And that's actually what we are doing. So how does that work for others listening? Can you just describe maybe the space you're in, who your ICP is, who you guys are helping on? Sure. So we're actually, our target audience is actually C-levels, board and C-levels. All those guys who have important formal meetings, meaning meetings that require preparation, that require a lot of teams preparing documents for those meetings that normally happen with a, a fixed agenda and a lot of agenda items and meetings where important decisions are made. And more often than not, those meetings tend to be not so productive, I want to say. People tend to not prepare. People tend to discuss things that are on the slides already. People tend to go out of those meetings either with no decision made or they. it's very hard to really track those decisions afterwards and track them down in the company. And we are looking at the meeting process of those formal meetings. They are basically industry agnostic, but the regulated industries have even more requirements of really having their documents saved and also their decisions to be tracked so that they really can tell, okay, this decision has been made in that meeting and X people have signed it off, right? And the process of those meetings, we're looking at the process of those meetings and try to make them more productive because we feel that meetings are a leadership instrument, an important leadership instrument. This is how you, where you make your most important decisions as a C-level. And that's why we want to help companies make them more productive and then in the end, make the company more productive. That's really cool space you guys are in. It is really interesting. It is really interesting because basically I don't have to tell you that. And obviously also not to our listeners, meetings have a very bad image. People tend to want to avoid meetings as much as possible. That's that's where the whole story always goes. Have less meetings, have as less meetings as possible. But if you look at the reality in companies and in large enterprises, the C-levels, the only thing that they're doing is having meetings because this is how they steer the company. And those meetings will not go away even more now after the pandemic and the remote working and hybrid working. Digitals, digital meetings are more and more on the schedule. And those guys will never have less meetings. And it's not necessary. It's necessary that the meetings that they're having are productive. Yeah, exactly. That's my agenda all day long, one meeting to the next. And Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not about, I understand that people say, oh, if I only had less meetings, that's the, the first and foremost thought. But uh, the reality is make those meetings productive so that you can really get out something from them, that you can take decisions, that you can, that you only have to attend if you're really adding value. Then maybe make sure that maybe you can already make decisions before the meeting so that you don't have to attend. 
So there are lots of things that you can do to make meetings more productive. Love it. So you've had a pretty extensive experience in the corporate world, and then you transitioned into this role of the startup space. What was that journey like? Yeah, I started out, basically, I started out in the corporate world, and most of my career has taken place in the corporate world so far. I've been working for German corporates, for American corporates, for Indian corporates, so a lot of different cultural aspects here. But I've also been working for small and medium business uh, prices. And in 2018, I decided I wanted to be able to have more to say, kind of more to decide, more opportunities to be creative. When you're in a when you're in a corporate, you also learn a lot, but you learn a lot more around being diplomatic, getting people on your side, making sure that everyone understands what you want to do, being patient, because a lot of people are involved in decisions, right? And it can become frustrating at some point. It's also important to learn those things and to know those things, but it can become frustrating. And I wanted to move things a little bit. And that's when I received my first offer from a startup company at that time. And I just made the jump and said, okay, let's try that and let's make that jump. And it has been a steep learning curve, I can say. I've learned in those four years that I've now in the startup and scale-up business, I can say I've learned more than in 14 years of corporate. It is way more, it's faster, obviously. It's You can way more experiment. You can way more test. It's way more chaos. So if you don't like chaos, don't go in the startup world. But it's also it's also more uncertainty. So you don't know whether things work or not. But it's for me, it's also much more fun. It's just amazing. I love it. So as you've been marketing for this company, what growth marketing tactics have been successful? How are you promoting the product, educating people around what you guys are doing, all that stuff? Yeah. So we, as I said in the beginning, we have to overcome two hurdles, right? First, we have to put a spotlight on the topic of meetings at all, because no CEO lies awake at night and thinks, oh, if I only knew how I could make my meetings more productive, that would be so cool. Obviously, those guys have uh, different pains. But in the end, it would serve them well if they would think about meetings a little bit more. So that's the one thing, making people aware, hey, listen, meetings are not a waste of time. Meetings are a leadership instrument. So make them productive, use them. That's the first thing. And then it's about basically about educating about around meeting management. Meeting management is based on a science. There is a science called meeting science. And it's not... It's not, it's not a mystery or magic or something like that, right? It's simple rules and they are not difficult, but they are hard because you need to do them consistently. And this is where we step in. And this is where we try to provide that information around the meeting process. We divide that into pre-meeting, during the meeting and post-meeting. And there are certain techniques and certain things you can do in each of those phases that make them more productive. And our software nudges you into that behavior, right? We call it the intention action gap. It's it's like when you want to lose weight, you know what you need to do, right? It's not that, it's not rocket science, but just don't do it. And you need to nudge a little bit in order to get there. And that's exactly what our software and our services also do. And we, so that we have an educate, as you said, we have an education part. I call this demand generation 
where we start talking about leadership topics around digital transformation and also around meeting management. And we have several activities that pay into that, hopefully drive organic traffic to our website. And then obviously the lead generation part where we try to convert via LinkedIn campaigns, lead generation campaigns on LinkedIn, also ABM campaigns, and also website conversions. Very cool. And you've talked about being data-driven. So what areas are you tracking and how are you measuring your efforts? Yeah, obviously we are tracking our number of MQLs and we are tracking them down the sales funnel and through the win rate and the conversion rates to the win rate. So how much of the MQLs really end up as a closed closed one. But then we also look at all the initiatives around the demand generation. We try to figure out, do they spike organic traffic, for instance, when we have a podcast episode or when we have a publication? Do we see any spikes in the direct or the organic traffic? We look actually at the different traffic channels, also social traffic, email traffic, referral traffic. We are having an influencer program where we collaborate with with people who are active in the leadership area or the meeting management area and do podcast episodes with them, write blog articles, try to have our CEO speak on their podcasts. And we always try to see, does it spike any kind of interest? Can we see that? We track our video performance. We have our case studies or a lot of our case studies as videos in this year. We started with that and we see that they are performing quite well. Our whole blog content obviously is SEO optimized and we look at the performance of those. So we really try to base our decisions and also the way we distribute our budget towards can we see that there is not necessarily an immediate impact, but any kind of impact that shows us there is interest. And at some point in time, it might pay out for for a conversion. You mentioned that you've shifted your focus on rebranding a little bit in this next year. What factors have been that? Yeah. So the start actually of that request was born in our product department. The product department made research for new features and they came up to us and said, Hey, we have, we have received feedback from prospects and customers that it would be cool to implement ABC, but we cannot do that with the actual design because it just doesn't look good. So we would like to change the design of the product. And then we say, Hey, wait a moment. We cannot change the design of the product and, for instance, not change the design of the website, right? That's the same brand. We need to look alike. So this is where this where this idea was born. And I really like the fact that it was a collaboration between product and marketing because usually it's marketing that tries to rebrand and nobody else really understands why and what that is for. But this was a really a close collaboration between product and, and marketing. And also we realized that we organically grew our branding. We had a branding when we were still a solution for board board meetings that was more a bit darker, a bit more elegant and premium. And we developed that throughout the years to what you can see today. But that also means it's not integrated and it's scattered around the place. So you can find us looking quite different in many touch points. 
And this is not ideal for a digital buyer journey. We obviously want the buyer to really, or the prospect to really meet the same Sherpany at every touch point that they make. So this is when we said, okay, let's, let's look at that and let's try and come up with, with a brand that really, or with a branding that really shows who we are and what the core of our message is. And that's what we're working on. And that's what you are going to see next year, but I won't talk a lot more about that. It's a surprise. Very cool. I love it. Very excited. Let's talk inbound versus outbound. I know some folks are very much all in and inbound and others are all in on outbound. How are you looking at that? Yeah. So obviously we also divide that too. We look at outbound and at inbound. I think in reality, it is quite a collaboration and you need to separate it somehow in order to be able to track the impact that you're having as is SDR or as a marketing department. And we do that as well. At the moment, we have a single touch attribution model, but we are very well aware that's not the reality. And what we would, what we are planning to do is really in 2023 to, for all the closed ones, whether they come from inbound or outbound, no matter what, we will try and research those, investigate those and try to find as many touch points as possible that this prospect had throughout his journey or her journey no matter whether it was inbound and outbound. And we will try to find patterns. Are there patterns that we can then try and repeat at some point? Is it needs, needs that is it better if it starts outbound and then becomes inbound or the other way around? Or how many inbound touch points and how many outbound touch points do you need in order to close the deal? We don't know yet. We try to we try to figure out. I think with when we are all changing to Google Analytics 4, this will help a lot because you can track much better with GA4. And then my goal is, my ideal would be to come up with a multi-touch attribution model that can be weighed. And then it can still say, okay, once it is 60% outbound, 40 inbound, we consider it an outbound deal. And the other way around, we consider it an inbound deal. But at the moment we have that distinction, but we also plan strategies in 2023 that require a lot of collaboration between SDRs and marketing. Absolutely. Any closing thoughts, closing remarks before we run here? Yeah, I've been thinking about what what really makes marketing successful and what whether I have some magic ideas or something like that. And for me, I have to say, for me, it's honestly, it's more about making what you know you need to make very diligently. I think there are a lot of cool marketers out there and there is a lot of know-how out there and it is it is about having a really good team people who know a lot my team knows way more about setting up campaigns than i do and then really do the things you need to do in a diligent way and then you have to you have to hope for the best absolutely that's such great advice thank you so much for joining the podcast today and sharing all your wisdom and insights really appreciate it thank you for having me brad it was a pleasure absolutely